Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. This week we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 12, Traveling Salesmen. In this episode, the sales department goes out on sales calls, Andy tries to undermine Dwight, and Jim and Karen cross a bridge in their relationship. This episode's cold open is a great example of how little work Michael actually does when he is at work. We see him call Jim into his office, and he is showing off Harvey, which is the name he has given the his computer that he has put to post-it note eyes on a hat and then like the chattering teeth that Michael has on his desk and Michael is using the function on his computer where you type in something and it says that thing in this very robotic voice yeah the readout function on I assume word or messenger or something like that um and he has deemed this computer to be named Harvey And this could be a pretty good creative joke if Michael wasn't a child. Yeah, he. it's similar to the cold open when he wanted to do Look Who's Talking with Hannah's baby. He takes it to a really juvenile place. The first thing he says is, hey, Jim, you suck. And and Michael, like, just loses it over this. And... Then he calls in Pam and just says that she looks hot today. Yeah, just all the worst things just to type out and then accuse somebody else of saying it out loud. Then he tries to get into this joke saying, me so horny, me love you long time, but he has a typo and it says me love you long tim and basically after every single thing michael types he just cracks up like a little kid and after this phrase jim and pam both jump on the typo and it just starts to frustrate michael so he tries to correct it and he makes another typo And Jim and Pam make fun of him again, and he tries to correct it again, and he just, it just keeps getting worse. The typos keep getting worse, and it gets further and further away from what he's actually trying to say. Yeah, Jim and Pam do not flinch here, and they just say, oh, who's Tim? We'd love to meet him. And Michael sort of gets frustrated, and he starts typing fast, and he says, me love yoy long time. And they're like, oh, well, Tim and Joy should definitely meet up sometime. And Michael just sort of just gets so frustrated. He's like, you ruined a funny joke. Get out of my off-hive. Another typo. So Jim and Pam sort of played a prank on the fly. Right. The main focus of this episode is the sales department going on sales calls. And we see the whole department in the conference room sitting around the table. And Michael says that 
This was something that Andy brought up. He thought that they should pair up and go out on sales calls together. Andy is clearly playing a sort of long game this entire episode. And so Michael says that since Andy had the idea, Andy gets to choose his partner. And Andy is super annoying this episode. This is a really good episode for Ed Helms to sort of show off his comedic chops a little bit because he really makes Andy to be such a pest and so annoying. So Andy says, hmm, let me think. I'll choose Michael Scott, PhD of sales. Um, And from there, Michael says the resident senior should go next. And Phyllis is like, we're the same age. We're in the same high school class. I don't know why Michael keeps sort of forgetting that or making it out that he's so much younger than Phyllis. But Phyllis chooses Karen. Then Stanley says, pass. Michael says, nope, can't pass. So after a deep sigh, Stanley's like, oh, fine. I'll take the kid, meaning Ryan. So by default, the final pair is Jim and Dwight. And Jim says that the two of them used to go on sales calls quite frequently uh, when Jim first started at Dunder Mifflin. And it sounds a little bit uh, like Dwight was trying to be a Mr. Miyagi. So if we remember the initiation episode where he really tries to connect with Ryan, it sounds like he's always been that way with his coworkers. The rest of the show... So much of the rest of the show is spent following around each individual pair and just kind of seeing how they handle their individual sales calls. As we have seen in prior episodes, Ryan does seem to actually want to be successful at this job. And he takes the initiative in asking Stanley if it's okay if he took the lead on this call And Stanley could just kind of observe and give him some pointers afterwards. And Stanley was just like, yep, that'd be great. Nothing would satisfy me anymore. So they get to the call and Stanley and Ryan are greeted by three black men. And Stanley appears to have a very good rapport with these gentlemen. He is you know, they're all very friendly with each other. They know each other by their first names, given handshakes, you know, like they're they're good friends that haven't seen each other in a, in a while. It looks like it's a church as well. Just the background the I, decor. Yeah, I had noticed that. And Ryan gets super flustered over this. Ryan, as we'll learn, is not a good salesman. He takes business classes and he's getting his MBA but he does not have that sales gene that we see in some of the other people like Michael or Dwight or even Jim. And so we don't actually see his pitch. We just see his nervous energy and his twitchy highs and his handshakes all around. And then it's a cut to the aftermath and Stanley is just losing it in the car and laughing at Ryan. So I think it's safe to assume that Ryan did not have a successful sale here. Yeah. It's kind of this weird parallel where it shows how much Ryan cares about this job and wants to be successful at it and how much Stanley could not care less about this job because this was probably, this could have been like money out of his pocket. Right. 
And yeah, so that's a good point. When he introduces himself and Ryan to the the three gentlemen at the place that they went to, he just like Ryan's new. He wants to handle this pitch. And so if you need me, I'll be over here doing my crosswords. Right, like he, he does his crossword he, at the sales call. And he doesn't, he doesn't hide it at all. He's just very open about it. And so, and just between that and him probably knowing exactly what was about to happen. <laughs> exactly. He knew what he was doing. Not necessarily like how Ryan would react to it, but like the situation they were about to go into where Ryan was going to be the minority in the situation and Stanley was just like, okay, whatever, you go for it. Which is weird because Stanley is also the person that anytime there is a problem with like layoffs or people getting leads or bonus checks or raises or anything like that, Stanley is always the first one to bring up the fact that he hasn't got his bonus check or his raise was a little bit less than he said it was than Michael said it was going to be. So for somebody that is very concerned about money, Staley is pretty blase in this situation. <laughs> and we don't ever see him give any critiques, so I don't know if he ever had any intention of doing that either. We also get a check-in with Karen and Phyllis. And on their way to the sales call, they take a little bit of a pit stop. And Karen is a little confused as to what is going on. And Karen and Phyllis go into a beauty salon. And they just get their hair styled and their makeup done. And it's pretty heavy makeup, bright pink blush, heavy purple lavender eyeshadow, sort of a bouffant hairdo. They're very teased and hairsprayed to where it's very puffy. Yeah. Yes. And... Karen, you can tell, does not love this look at all. It's pretty dated. It's pretty 80s, I would say. And we don't see their pitch. We just see them receive a pretty big order from the man they're talking to. And then Phyllis asks, how's Annie, this man's wife? And he's like, oh, she's doing great. We just went on a trip to Bermuda. Shows them this framed photo. And Annie has the exact same look as what Phyllis and Karen have just gotten from the beauty salon. So Phyllis knows how to how to kind of work her angles with her clients and achieve a pretty big order. And sometimes you sort of have to play to your audience a little bit. Yeah, and right after the man that they were pitching to shows this picture, Karen has this kind of, ah, got it look on her face and phyllis has this very knowing look like i know see i knew what i was doing the whole time yeah. look on her this face this wasn't just a weird bonding activity or whatever right next up we see dwight and jim in action and this is very much kind of a two sides of the coin situation because from when they leave the office to walking into the building it is typical Dwight and Jim banter. Dwight chooses to sit in the back seat of Jim's car and Jim's like you're seriously going to sit back there? And he Dwight is sitting behind Jim's seat. So Dwight is sitting in the back seat on the driver's side of the car. And Dwight explains that in crashes the 
driver is always going to save themselves first. And protect their side. Yeah. So Jim starts backing out pretty quickly, and then he slams on the brake, which causes Dwight to just lunge forward and hit his head on the back of Jim's seat. This episode as a whole is just fantastic, and it's full of just really quotable lines and just really funny delivery and they're just somewhat basic lines but that's what makes them funny and one of the best ones in my opinion comes when Dwight and Jim are walking into the building where the sales call is and Jim is going to hold open the door for Dwight and Dwight says nope I never let anyone walk behind me seven out of ten attacks occur from the rear And Jim's like, okay, well, that's a 30% chance you'll get attacked from the front. Dwight's, like, explaining how he can block it. And he's so distracted by explaining his technique that Jim just slaps him and then goes to the door and heads up to the office. And it's just the delivery, the, the slap, the cadence of the whole scene that I think is just a real highlight here, personally. Before they enter the office building, though... We see Dwight's sales ritual in (laughs) action. Jim gets out of the car and is getting ready to walk in. And Dwight asks for the keys to the car. And Jim's like, you seriously still do this? And Dwight turns the car on, cranks up. I believe it's Motley Crue. And is just like headbanging in the back. And he's like punching the back (laughs) of the the driver's seat and he's doing air guitar and just really pumping himself up to go do this sales pitch and Dwight and Jim are actually a really good team they have a pretty coordinated pitch that comes down to customer service and the way they demonstrate that is that Dwight asked to use the phone and the guy's like okay sure and Dwight dials his number and then he's on hold and he puts it on speakerphone and they just continue talking. They acknowledge the difference in price between Dunder Mifflin and a large box store, but they really point out the customer service and it turns out the entire time they've been talking, Dwight has been on hold with a customer service at a big box chain. Whereas Jim just dials right up to Kelly, the customer service person at Dunder Mifflin. So the guy kind of concedes and gives them his business. So it's just really funny that Jim has been pranking Dwight for all these years, but they actually do a pretty good job complimenting each other's strengths and being able to really give a good sales pitch to a client. And the scene itself is set up really well because it kind of highlights the two characters' quirks as well. Because Jim is making this pitch in literally in the middle, like there's no break or anything like that. Dwight just randomly says, hey, can I use your phone? And so it's highlighting this, just the weirdness of Dwight. And the sharpness. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. And Jim, this entire time, doesn't stop the pitch. And you can hear... While Jim is talking, Dwight is just saying random numbers. Then they leave that scene and go to, you know, other people in their sales pitches. And they come back to Dwight and Jim. And it is at this time that you learn that Dwight has called a customer service line for this box store. And 
it is them being on hold and you kind of learn and you see, oh, that was the pitch the whole time. And so if you have never seen this episode before, you just think Dwight's just being a weirdo like he right. usually is. And Jim just is ignoring it like he always does and is going about his day and going about the sales call as if Dwight wasn't even there. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is just played in that way and the even the client is like a little confused about why he's asking to use the phone but sort of also and, and saying it. random numbers yeah kind of really loud too yeah much of the focus of this episode though is on the sales call that andy and michael make as we alluded to earlier andy has kind of ulterior motives for this sales call Sure, he could probably learn some things from Michael, who clearly is a very good salesman because he is the regional manager of the branch. But he also is going to take this time to drive a wedge between Dwight and Michael. And Andy lets us know that he is very patient and that whenever he puts his mind to something, he achieves it. In order to take down Dwight, I have to chip away at his ally, in this case, Michael. And here's the good news. Every success I've ever had in my job or with the lady folk has come from my ability to slowly and painfully wear someone down. Andy says that he wants to take down Dwight. And he has to do that by chipping away at his ally, and he's starting with Michael. And all through the drive to the client's office... Andy is just trying to drop these hints about how Dwight's just awful and no one really respects him around the office. And he sees that Michael has thrown his laundry bag to Dwight before they all take off. And Andy's just so curious why that is. And Michael gives a very short synopsis of the fact that Dwight tried to go behind his back and get his job um, back in the coup. At the sales call, I think that Andy purposefully sabotaged the sale. He wanted it to go poorly so that on the drive back, he could say, man, Michael, I'm so sorry. I really shooted it. That's a good point because but, he was very blasé about the fact that, that he messed up the call. Yeah. Andy is taking the time that he is spending with Michael, pushing buttons, and he's just trying to find the right button to push that gets Michael to react. Yeah, that's a good point. Because throughout this entire time, Michael is very just non-reactive to Andy. Whenever he, like when Andy asks, you know, what's the deal with, you know, Dwight doing your laundry, Michael explains the coup to him. And Andy's just like, man, that's, that's pretty bad. And Michael's just kind of like, yeah, I guess it was. Like, it wasn't... I'm kind of over it now. Yeah, Michael's really not picking up what Andy's trying to do here. And he's not giving anything back to Andy. Andy thought he could really get Michael to open up about, like, how terrible Dwight was or something. But he's not having it. And, and during the sales pitch... Michael's getting actually really annoyed by Andy because he's being such a weirdo. For sure. And is not at all connecting to the client and is trying to really throw off Michael's rhythm. You know, Michael's trying to just say they're a humble company, 
but they can still do the job. And Andy's sort of giving commentary about, man, what an, what an undersell. We trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Ever heard of it? And at that point, Michael pinches Andy's neck as to be kind of like, shut up. You are really ruining this. And they clearly did not make the sale. Yeah, we do see the flashes of competent Michael here because when, yeah. as, as Andy is steering this sales pitch in the wrong direction, Michael is always pretty competently able to steer it back. So after Andy says the thing about the Dunder Mifflin being traded on the New York Stock Exchange, Michael has a really good spin on that. And he's like, well, I think what he means is that we have like the backing in the organization of a New York Stock Exchange traded company, but we are a small warehouse. You know, we, we have just the one-on-one-ness that you need from a smaller company. Michael does not take the bait that Andy tries to lay down about Schrute it. Because Andy says, where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's from Dwight Schrute? And that's what people say when they irreparably mess something up. And Michael's like, oh, I don't know. Who knows how words are formed? Just really does not take it at all. So Andy has not accomplished his mission when he came up with this random idea for team sales call. So he does something even more drastic. He decides to go through Dwight's desk and car. He go. He gets Dwight's keys from his desk, searches his car, and finds a toll receipt going into New York City from that morning. And he brings it to Michael, and he says, I found this on Dwight's desk, and he went to New York this morning, and I, why do you think that is? Why would he do that? Do you think he was talking to Jan? And it is at this moment that Andy has finally found the button to push because he finally gets a reaction out of Michael and Michael is going along with this exactly how Andy wants him to. Michael is questioning Dwight's loyalty again. He doesn't know why Dwight went to New York. He doesn't know. He didn't know up until this moment that Dwight even went to New York. So it appears that Dwight again, has gone behind Michael's back in secret to maybe try and take his job. But we in the audience know that Dwight went to New York because Angela missed a very important deadline with corporate turning in tax forms. The episode opens with Angela extremely nervous because she has missed this deadline and Kevin informs her that there's a message from corporate saying, hey, we didn't get these. Dwight saves her by driving these forms down to New York and turning them in, and that's what he was doing in New York City. Quite frankly, Dwight could just say this and it would be no big deal, but the two of them are sort of so blinded by their weirdness together that they think that if they say that, everyone will automatically know that they're in a relationship because why otherwise would Dwight do that for Angela? And Angela has zero desire for anyone to know that they're secretly dating. So rather than out Angela messing up, getting these forms sent in and revealing to the office their potential relationship, Dwight decides to fall on the sword And he quits. He would rather quit than 
have all that information be out there. And he gives this very sort of poetic resignation speech. It ends with, and while today it is me, we all shall fall. Takes a beat and then says, in other words, I'm quitting. And this comes as just great news to Andy because he has finally achieved his objective. He is giddy at the thought that he finally sort of undermined Dwight. And Angela sees him giving a one-on-one to the camera and you can see her in the background and the camera pans to her just absolutely furious with Andy because now she's sort of overhearing or realizing that he engineered this whole thing. Yeah. So as Dwight is leaving the office, he comes upon Jim and Karen in the parking lot and he just wordlessly gives Jim a big hug and leaves. And the reason Jim and Karen are in the parking lot is because they had to have a little chat. When Karen and Phyllis were out on their sales call, Phyllis says to Karen that she's really glad that Karen is with Jim because Jim was just hung up on Pam for so long. And this, of course, is news to Karen, who had no idea that Jim and Pam were ever a thing. And this is a serious miscalculation by Jim here. He knows that Phyllis is kind of a gossip, and she doesn't mean to gossip here. She really is paying Karen a compliment and really trying to mean well in what she says. But Jim just misplayed this terribly, and we've said this before. If your girlfriend is moving to a new city where you used to live and work at and working at the same office with your former crush, actually current crush, conversations probably need to be had. If Karen didn't work at Dunder Mifflin, this probably wouldn't be a big deal, but she sees Jim and Pam every single day. When Jim returns from his sales call with Dwight, Karen walks up to him, really doesn't even give him a chance to take off his coat, and says, hey, let's go get a coffee. And she still has her makeover look, the the bouffant hair and the heavy makeup on. In this coffee shop, Karen just dives right in and asks Jim, hey, did you ever have a thing for Pam? And Jim stalls a little bit and he's like, a thing for Pam? Sort of giving him some time. And he's like, no, why? Did she say something? Which totally gives him away a little bit here. Karen responds by saying that Phyllis said that you had a thing for Pam. And now that the cat is out of the bag, essentially, Jim can't really deny it anymore. So he's like, before I left, I used to have a crush on Pam. I said as much to her and she turned me down. And then I left. And he says that he is really glad that Karen is there. Because Karen made a big deal about the fact that she moved from Connecticut to Scranton partially for him. Yeah, we didn't really know that till now. But she's making it very clear that he factored in to her decision making. And if you remember back, he's the one that sort of talked her into that and was like you know what Scranton's a good place like you should take the job if you're offered and 
we have to assume that there was some sort of movement of their relationship prior to them arriving in Scranton because they were already pretty chummy and well-established on their first day there. So we can assume there was some movement to their relationship off camera. Jim's explanation and his saying that he's just glad Karen is there seems to assuage her and makes her smile and it seems that they have recovered from this incident. That pretty much wraps up the main points of this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. This episode was later rebroadcast on NBC as a combination of this one and the next one, The Return. And so it was an hour-long episode, and in order to get to an hour, they had to add four more minutes of footage. And if you watch it on Netflix, it's broken out into the two individual ones, but that four extra minutes is in the return episode. Several of the scenes uh, in this episode were improvised by the actors. Angela Kinsey actually seems to do quite a bit of improv. Um, she improved a line at Pam's desk in the very beginning with the jelly beans when she's trying to talk with Dwight and just saying, I don't want these and walking away. Stanley uh, improvised his lines with Ryan in the aftermath of their sales call. When Jim is explaining to the camera that he and Dwight used to go on sales calls all the time, he shows a photo of him and Dwight from back in the day. That photo was photoshopped um, using a high school photo of John Krasinski in a picture of Rain Wilson, I believe from like 1991, when he was on tour with his comedy troupe. Andy has a couple of one-on-ones with the camera in which he is singing to the tune of the Oompa Loompa song from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And he does that to explain how he and Karen are the only members left uh, from the Stanford branch and tells the camera that he's not falling into a chocolate river. And then at the end, he sort of creates this little ditty saying that Dwight is now gone, which is totally awesome. Ed Helms actually shot 50 different versions of this little ditty about Dwight, and they finally settled on the Oompa Loompa song. So I'd just be curious if there's any deleted scenes of the other songs or um, whatever musical stylings he had created here. Yeah, maybe on the DVDs or something. Yeah. And that's all I have. Curtis, we haven't really talked about firings, but I think we have a couple here. For sure. In the cold open, when Michael uses the computer to tell Pam that she looks hot today, that's definitely a firing for sexual harassment. It doesn't matter that it came from a computer, and it doesn't matter that Michael is trying to play it off like Harvey is the one saving these things. That's not going to hold up in a lawsuit. Yeah, he's the one that typed it out. Right. And then I also think that we lose Andy here for going through Dwight's things without Dwight's permission and breaking into his desk and breaking into his car. I agree. That's a pretty big invasion of privacy and could potentially actually be a crime. So it is Michael's sixth firing of this season and his 19th overall. 
And it is Andy's first firing this season and his first firing overall. There'll be more to come. <laughs> Antoinette, do you have a Dundee to give out this episode? Yes, the Dundee for the least fun hobby is walking two marathons. In order to demonstrate his persistence and and the fact that he doesn't give up easily, Andy tells the camera that he's walked two marathons, which sounds just terrible. Because how many hours is that taking? Like eight, seven? Some people, it takes five to run it. Yeah, that sounds awful. Like running a marathon to me sounds terrible. Walking one. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't even matter if you're power walking. Like, that's just a really long way to have to walk. Yeah. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the Know Your Audience Award. And that goes to Phyllis for going in and getting makeovers that matches the sales call's wife. And yeah. it pretty much guaranteed a, a sale for them. Who is your employee of the month? My co-employees of the month are Jim and Dwight just because they in this episode they do work together very very well and it is just kind of this weird look into their relationship and it shows their ability to kind of put things to the side and get their work done Mm -hmm. no matter how they feel about each other or you know Jim I'm sure is probably tempted to do pranks on Dwight like in the middle of sales calls and he <laughs> kind of avoids that and also to give it to Dwight for helping Angela out as well yes that's why I picked Dwight uh, for kind of going above and beyond not only for Angela but for the company and for trying to convince Angela that they should just be public with their love that that wouldn't actually be the worst thing in the world but then just respecting her kind of steadfastness and that no don't want to do it so he was willing to give up a job that he loved he said that he would his life goal was to die at his desk but his love for Angela is stronger than that life goal and I think the episode just does a really good job setting up a payoff that comes down the line in Dwight and Angela's relationship so that does it for this week's episode Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates and continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to our podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and comment wherever you can to help get our name out there. We appreciate you listening. We hope you are all staying safe, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.